Blog Talk Radio. Trying to back up, I believe, the Lakers of the last two, three feet. Yep. 
So LeBron James, uh, Greg Oden, who played in the preseason game last night, apparently dumped in a few blocks. We love dogs. So let's kick it off with that with that division southeast in the Eastern Conference. We have a uh, a great group of teams: the Atlanta Hawks, the Bobcats, the Magic, and the Wizards, who I believe were all under 500 last year. Wait, can you say that again? The the teams other than the Heat in their division: Magic, Bobcats, Wizards, all under 500 last year. Um. Well, the the Hawks were above 500. Everyone else was uh, was pretty terrible. Miami's going to win this by a long shot, or is there any surprise teams? No. In, the, in, the, in, the, in that division, there's there's, l- there's literally no chance. You are the, the height of just the too clear, much in my opinion, probably the clear second-best team. I don't know about clear, but to me, the second-best team is the Atlanta Hawks. I do think there's three playoff teams in that division. I think Atlanta will probably be a playoff team, although... It, we don't know if they're gonna what kind of moves they're gonna make. Um, if they're gonna trade Al Horford, possibly they've got a lot of pieces they can move. They brought in Bill, Paul Millsap for very little money, like uh, two years, nineteen million, which for a guy like him is steal. So they've got a bunch he's of good, he's good Utah. He is a very good player, and I think the Wizards could be a playoff team. That Mecca Okafor injury that does worry me because their front court is pretty shallow. But, um, you know, with how good John Wall and Bradley Beal looked down the stretch, where they were, like, in their last, like, 50 games, they are like, a little under 500. So I think that in a, with the bottom of the Eastern Conference, which is pretty awful, the Wizards, even though they have an awful coach in Randy Whitman, it was his career record is just a disaster. He's but, still there. I'm surprised he is not. Still there. A lot of people thought he was going to be coaches. Thought he was going to be gone by Christmas, but they held on to him. We got Wall back, and they were very good down the stretch. And they paid Wall too. Like it's eighty million. They true. That's very true. All right. So he's running ragged. Possible Wizards in the playoffs would be great for the city, considering every other team has made the playoffs since we've been here, mm-hmm. other than the Wiz. We love the. Wiz. The Central Division, the hype of Derrick Rose returning. Oh, yeah. Who has looked great in uh, preseason. But this is a very stacked division. You have the Bulls and the Cavaliers, Kyrie Irving, who wants to uh, make a big step after his season last year. And the Pacers, who were in the uh, semifinals of the Eastern Conference. Or they made the conference. Conference finals. Then the Bucks who made the playoffs and the Pistons who are just struggling. This is a toss-up in Central Division. Uh, it really is because uh, I think that you got two, um, two very good teams at the top. You got the Bulls who are, were all, even last year without Derrick Rose because they're so good defensively. You had Luol Deng who's an All-Star and he got hurt. He got hurt. You had uh, Joe Kim Noah. He's also an All-Star. They're so good defensively. Tom Thibodeau. A great coach. And now you got Derrick Rose back, who was out off during, um, he was out the whole year. And so, what are we expecting to see out of him this year? I think he's going to come back and play great. I don't think he's going to be what he was, or at least not initially. It'll probably take some time. Meanwhile, the Indiana team, they really stepped into place. They're another great defensive team. Paul George was awesome in the playoffs. He looked ready to. Take a make a star leap, if you will. But and uh, you also have Danny Granger coming back, and that's right. Nobody's really certain what to expect out of him. 
He could be trade-based. That team is also very good. A team I really like in that division as well is the Detroit Pistons. Mm. I think they're a good playoff team. I think they're probably going to – I think they'll be the sixth. Yeah, we've been through this before where they've, you know, spent a lot of money the offseason, and this offseason they brought in Josh Smith and brought in uh, Brandon Jenks. But I think looking at that team, you've got starting five. They do have a whole – at Shooting Derby, you got Brandon Jennings, who's an upgrade. Yes, right. You got uh, Trey got his active great front court of Josh Smith, who can play. He's a very good player at the three or the four. I think Josh Smith is actually underrated. He does everything really well, but everyone knows him because he take, does not have cool, a very good shots. Like, he'll sit on the perimeter and take jumpers. Which one you're playing the three, that's – that will happen, but now, some people criticize him as a very lazy player. Yeah, but I don't know if that's really fair. He's a good, he's an athletic monster. He gets to, when he gets to the rim, look out. He's a very good passer. He's very, he can, he's very good at both the three and the four. You got Greg Monroe at the four, who I think is ready to make a, a big leap. And a guy who was really good last year at the five was Andre Trumman. Mm-hmm. In a league where you don't have a lot of True fives. If if he takes the leap and has a big year, then that team's going to be tough to stop. And a guy they also drafted a guy like the shooting guard out of Georgia, Catavius Caldwell Pope. Ooh, he was like the the fourth selection, wasn't he? I mean, yeah, he was, he was in the top ten. Plus, they also have Rasheed Wallace, another assistant coach. That's great. Not an exciting hire. I mean, he's kind of a retread, but he's a solid veteran coach. And with this team, he should be able to work well with um, Brandon Jennings. The rest of the teams in the division, a lot of people were thinking the Cavs are going to make the playoffs. I think that that is too big of a leap for a team that's going to be relying on Andrew Bynum this year. Yes. So we don't know if he showed up yet. Yeah, we love Kyrie Irving, but Andrew Bynum is a huge question mark. He's wholly unreliable. And I kind of like the Bucks. I, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team, but they, they lost a lot of good players. Though. They lost their two, two good players, but two players that could not play together. So now you got Brandon Knight, O.J. Mayo in their backcourt. That's not a bad backcourt. they got some good frontcourt players, and I like their coach, Larry Drew. So the Bucks. Uh, I don't think they're a playoff team, but I think they're, they could be. They could make it interesting. The bottom there, the like, like the tenth, the eight, not eight through ten spots. All right, yeah, fair enough. I like your uh, the Pistons thing. Mm. Uh, good veteran bench. Uh, Mr. Big Shot returned. They do have a pretty solid bench. Yeah, Rodney Stuckey. Mm. Now go to the Atlantic, where uh, your Brooklyn Nets. Oh yeah. With the big bankroll of oodles of rubles from our good friend uh, Mikhail Provokov. Oh yeah. All right, cast in on Kevin Garnett, Paul Pierce. Jason Terry, the Jet, oh yeah, and uh, with Jason Kidd as a coach, uh, Brooke, Brooke Lopez, yep. So you were saying should have made the Hall of uh, the All Star game? Yeah, the Hall of the Hall of Fame. I don't know. What that yeah, you definitely should have been the All Star game. I don't believe it. And then uh, Joe Johnson was a big uh, money guy from last year. Yep. And Darren Williams. That's right, because he stayed in Brooklyn. Yep. They have. A division that a lot of people will be focusing on. They're a mix who return with the with the Sands Rashid Wallace, because he's now an assistant coach of the Pistons. <laughs> Returned pretty much every old guy from the team last year. And then you have Carmelo Anthony, who is 
wants, the family wanted to be traded again, or he says, like, it's time to win, or else I'm out. They had, and they have the most expensive front court yeah. ever. They've got four guys in their front court that are making a salary of $10 million or more. They have Stoudemire, Mello, and Tyson Chandler. Tyson Chandler, Ar- and Andrea Bargnani, Carmelo. Oh, that's right. Bargnani's in the other Raptors, wasn't he? Uh, yes, he was. He was acquired in a, in a bizarre trade, which I don't get what the Knicks were doing. I mean, it made sense for the Raptors because he got rid of his contract, and he's not been that good in a couple of years. I don't know what the Knicks were doing there. And also the Knicks, anytime you fire a general manager a season before the, the, a month before the season starts, that's never a good sign. Never a good sign. So, yeah, but you look at that division, you've got to – and then you have the Celtics. With, Celtics are going to be with brave, with brave New World and Brad Stevens mm. with Rajon Rondo, who I do not think he's excited to have Stevens as a coach. Well, he, yeah. Just looking at the vibes and the frustration of the whole Doc Rivers scenario, it could be just out of control. And the Sixers, who Friels was mad over the summer, had to be traded Drew Holiday and cleaned house, mm. which I have no idea... But a lot of, well, I mean, that team wasn't going. That team was awful last year, even with Drew Holiday. They got a great deal for Holiday. They got New Orleans Noel, who's probably not going to play this year because the team's actually tanking, which is, you know, fine. And then he got another first-round pick. It's only, like, top, like, five protected. Right. So you think the Knicks will uh, – not the Knicks. You, you, you're saying the Knicks are very overrated because of their uh, expensive team of prima donnas, you said the Nets will win this division. Oh, I think they will. I think they Heavily or just... No, not heavily. I think the, Net, the Nets will be the four and the Knicks will be the five. But I think the Knicks, they didn't really have a title winner anyway, and now it's passed. I think that, you know, Carmelo Anthony, probably the best pure scorer in the league, but now, besides him, you got Jamon Schumper, who is going to be a very good player. You got um, 30, I believe. Yeah. He looked well. Uh, Felton and Melody, Justin, the Denver Day, Metal World Peace. Yeah, I mean, like, the East so, off the it's like, Ray Felton was awful last year, so. And you can't remember that they, they, they had a kid playing the fun card. Yeah, and he, he sucked, too. I mean, he was just so good. Like, like, I told people Jason Kidd was done when they signed him. And then, like, for a couple weeks, you had people like a friend of mine who's a Knicks fan, a moron. Jaron Berman? Not Jaron Berman. I said a friend. She said. Yeah, we did. And he was like, oh, you were so wrong about Jason Kidd. And then, like, this was after, like, a few weeks. And the rest of the year, he was just completely all the dreadful in the playoffs. Now he's coaching the Nets. Let it go well. Uh, uh, well, I think the, uh, the Knicks are definitely a playoff team. They're a lot for a playoff team, but they're not. They're one and done. The Nets, I'm, I think, are really exciting because, um, you know, now you have a, a great starting five. Paul Pierce and Kevin Garnett are being brought in, joining Darren Williams, Joe Johnson, and Brooke Lopez. That's an excellent starting five. And now you've got... Especially in the front court, you got Kevin Garnett, who doesn't want to be the the banger anymore because he's old. So, and he and Paul Pierce are probably going to do like the Tim Duncan schedule, play like sixty five games, rest them in the in the regular season, and then rely on them in the playoffs. Kevin Garnett and Brooke Lopez—that's an 
excellent combination in the front court. So now you allow Kevin Garnett to do those uh, high post shots he wants to take because Lopez likes to bang down low. Paul Pierce said that, you know, he was in a bit of a slump in the preseason because he's never gotten this many open shots. Because he's always used to having a guy that's faced because the offense usually went through him. Now it's not. And you look at their bench. They've got a very good bench now, too. you got Andre Blatch, who's very good. You got Isaiah Evans, who's a great boards guy. Sean Livingston was really good in the preseason, was solid down the stretch. AK-47, they, they somehow got AK-47 backdoor for like $5 million less than he would have gotten in Minnesota. And they bring in Jason Terry. This is, a, I think, a very exciting team. I don't know how long it's going to take for them to uh, get together, but I think this is a team that can win the title. Interesting with the, the coaches. Uh, the question for me, though, is Jason Kidd, first year as a coach, how is he going to deal with now being in a locker room with two very strong uh, locker room guys and Paul Pierce, Joe Johnson? How is Darren Williams, who is notoriously moody, mm-hmm. how is he going to uh, interact now with these two strong locker room guys, and how he's going to interact with the, the new first-time coach, who was, last year was playing in the league. Exactly. Williams, very hot and cold personality. Interesting assistant coach, uh, Lawrence Frank, our good friend. I, I understand why they should have just made him head coach, kid the assistant, so things go bad with Lawrence Frank, they just fire him from a kid. Maybe it's the other way around. If Jason Kidd doesn't do so well, then LF. Because he was from the, uh, he was with the, uh, the Celtics for a while, and then he was big. Uh, he was assistant with the Celtics. Now he's back being assistant. So while west we go. Ooh. What division? The Northwest. Start with that. The Jazz lost a lot of players. Oklahoma City gets Russell Westbrook back. Yet they have nothing, according to the great Silas Hill, with Kevin Durant. He's pretty. Uh, it's funny how the Sports Illustrated read an article. When the, when the Thunder and the Heat were in the finals, and they were saying this is going to be the future of the NBA, like the Lakers-Celtics series, the great 80s. Mm. That is not the case, because the Oklahoma State Thunder are going pretty much downhill as of now. Because of the trade of losing James Harden, they have Kendrick Perkins. Yeah, that was a great trade. They have Kendrick Perkins. Kevin Martin is now gone. They run Jeremy Lamb, so you're going to be relying on Jeremy Lamb. Russell Westbrook is out until into December. Right. So Reggie Jackson off the country. I mean, we like Reggie Jackson. He's a solid player. He's got Kevin Durant to stay faced with his team. Because this is a division that an interesting team could come out and do well. Yeah. The the, the Trailblazers. Mm -hmm. So the Nuggets lost Iguodala. They still have the uh, the, the immortal... um, Javon McGee. Yeah. Well, that division is still Oklahoma City to lose, even with Westbrook out for a couple of months, because you still have Kevin Durant, and then you'll have Westbrook back. That's an excellent offensive uh, offensive club. You have Serge Ibaka, who's really been an was awesome last year. He's a defensive monster in the post. And now he's got a very good uh, high post game. Very strong. Uh, uh, his jump shot has really come up uh, and really improved. So I still think they're the team to beat. But now um, you, get, you see that uh, I, I thought they, were, they would be okay with the Harden deal. 
because I didn't think that James Harden was going to be that good. Like, I thought he was good, but I didn't think he was, um, like, as incredible as he was last year. So I think that that team, there's going to be a lot of relying on, like, Reggie Jackson. They don't, don't have a They don't have a lot of bench. So a lot of backcourt. I don't there. think they're really Derek Fisher. Yeah, you got to worry about that team. Uh, is there, their window may have already started closing because this is a very deep Western Conference. We've got, like, five teams that I think could legitimately win the NBA title. Mm-hmm. And that's, and that's a tough division. There's only one team in that division that will certainly not be an NBA playoff team, and that's without question to Utah Jazz. The Jazz are going to be awful. I think the rest of the four teams can make the playoffs. I, I think Denver I think Denver's a big risk of missing the playoffs. You fire George Carl. That's right. Which I didn't want well, an, an awful move. The general manager left. The general manager, who was Masai Uhiri, who was an Awesome job, manager. Going to Toronto. Brian Shaw, I think he's going to be a good coach, but he, it looks like he's not going to run like the kind of fun, uh, up-tempo scheme that the Nuggets are going to run. And now they've got to. So they won like 30-plus home games. Exactly. Already. I mean, they're, what I think will keep them in the playoffs is that they, they are such, they have such a home court advantage playing in the altitude. That is a big advantage that nobody else really has. There's a lot of pressure on JaVale McGee. Can he finally put it together? You got Ty Lawson, who's a solid point guard. Daniel Gallinari was very good, but he's coming off of injury. We're not sure when he can have every model. Love Kenneth three, but there are trade rumors surrounding him. So, which would be a shame because people love him. What's Wilson Chandler going to do? Evan Fournier is, uh, and they brought in JJ Hickson as well. So that's a team that I think is definitely on the bubble to the postseason. The other two teams, I think, two O's with Kevin Love and Rubio. I possibly full season of that healthy. Uh, you got to hope that with the Timberwolves, because they literally had an absurd amount of attrition last year. So many guys are injured, and Rubio and Love only put in like 40 minutes together during the season. That's just a, a, a complete tragedy. Those guys are so much fun to play with, and Kevin Love's the best form in the league. Although people are wondering. What uh, is there? Is trade? His contract comes up in like a year and a half. Are there going to be trade rumors surrounding him? We got Rick Adams, a very good coach. We got Rubio. The wealthiest team. Got um, Sven. Sven was okay, but Can they brought it. They spent a lot of money to on the wings to bring Corey Brewer, a very good defensive player. You know a lot about him uh, back in the days in Dallas. You got you spend a lot of money. You overpaid for Kevin Martin, but he gives you a very good perimeter shooter that they they haven't had. And you draft in the first round Shabazz Muhammad, who but he comes up like nobody knew how old he was. And you hear that he got kicked out of the the rookie symposium for having a woman in his room. Well, he did. He has an awesome uh, beer pong shot, and as far as the league, him and Ben Allen, like he's a very like he's a guy that I don't think gets it. But he still should be a very good scorer off the wing, which is what they need. And you you also brought back Nikola Pekovic. We love Pekovic, and he and Love are an excellent uh, frontcourt combo. I think Portland could also be a playoff team, but I think that the team uh, I think they're going to find McCollum out for that, the, That's true, but they massively upgraded their bench, which was a complete disaster last year. 
And their starting five is pretty solid. I like LaMarcus Aldridge a lot. I think Damian Lillard's overrated. I don't think he's going to be as good as he was last year, partially because they needed him to be really good. True. And a lot more slump, possibly. Yeah, and he took a lot of shots and he's brutal defensively. I think this team's going to be a mess defensively, and I'm not a Terry Stotts fan at all. Like, I, I, I don't think he's a very good coach. But I think that team is going to be in the hunt for the playoffs as well. All right, to the Pacific Division, the Lakers team that's, that's just starving for something. <laughs> Uh, Clippers, New York Rivers, No Love City, according to uh, Blake Griffin, Golden State Warriors, Mark Jackson, who was second year as a coach? Uh, yes. No, and third. Third year at the season they had last year. They had Andre Iguodala, uh, Sacramento Kings. <laughs> Are they going to be basically Golden State and the Clippers? Um, in the, in the, um, Pacific, in the Pacific, uh, the teams that are going to be, uh, it's going to be um, – wow, I'm having a brain fart right now. It's uh, The teams that are going to be playoff teams, without question, are going to be Golden State and the Clippers. You are right on that. I mean, Phoenix is going to give Philadelphia a run for the worst team in the league. And Sacramento, they still – they do have some stability. They may be saying the Sacramento, they got a new ownership. they got a new coach who I like in Mike Malone. But they're still – and they have – they drafted Ben McElroy, but that team still has – a lot of issues with their roster, so I think that's going to take a lot of scrambling. And I think I would not rule out the Lakers for the playoffs. I really would. I mean, they're going to be a complete fiasco defensively. Of course. And and nobody knows what Kobe's going to do when he comes back. And he may kill Nick Young. He can't rule it out. But you get rid of the Dwight Howard nonsense. They're going to score a lot, run up and down, score a lot of points under Mike D'Antoni once they got rid of um, – which they got rid of uh, Howard left. And so, no, I think Kobe this year is going to be like those years when the like awful – Yeah, he already scored 80 like, points. Like 80 points and like 60 and all that. And I think Nash could come back. I mean, he's going to be 40 in February. So, I would not rule them out. And how Gasol now finally is going to be the five, probably, or be the dominant guy down low. So I would not rule it out for the playoffs. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But I, wouldn't, I would not rule it out. But Golden State, who now they made a great signing of uh, Andre Iguodala. Yeah. And they're probably going to be the most fun team to watch. you got a great shooting backcourt. you got a good double-double guy in David Lee. Harrison Barnes, uh, he was a little hit or miss, but like, he really took off in the postseason when he was playing as a small four. You keep that backcourt for Clay Thompson and Steph Curry. Yeah, and you got now you've got the slasher they need and the defensive stopper they need. But now you've got six starting guys for five starting spots. Who's going to be their crunch time lineup? Exactly. And the Clippers, they bring in Doc Ritters, and all that's, that team's going to be very good. Can Doc Ritters be the guy that gets uh, Blake Griffin and uh, DeAndre Jordan, like, focused? and um, zoned in instead of goofing off and doing the alley-oops and all that. Because you know Chris Paul wants to win, and there's no question about that. Yeah, that's what he's openly said, too. And exactly. Doc Rivers, he's definitely changed. I don't think it'll be this Just year. Next year, though, if, if they keep a good core of that lineup and no one wants to get out of Los Angeles, mm-hmm. he could re- really sell something. And that final division, I mean, what could be the most packed, stacked division, Southwest in the Western Conference, with my Mavs, 
the Houston Rockets with James Harden, Taylor Parsons, Francisco Garcia, Lynn Sanity. Now the Dwight Mayor comes to Houston. Ooh, Dwight Mayor. And San Antonio Spurs made the finals last year. We're always consistently good and always consistently old. Who from this division would be would be ready to uh, break out? A lot of people are picking Houston, but then they don't want to go too far, saying Dwight Howard hasn't yet to play a full season with them. But yeah. Kevin McHale is a good coach. Yep. Coach of the year. Popovich, was he coach of the year? Uh, I don't remember who was coach of the year. One of the coaches of the year. Well, he was a good one of them. He was in the mix. And the Spurs making the cost, because they make it back. Uh, I definitely think they can. As of right now, I think I have them in my rankings. Number one, I think they'll be the top regular season team because they've got, you know, they've got Tony Parker and Ginobili, Duncan. I mean, those guys are getting old, but they're still um, they still produce, and they still, still produce, produce like 70 wins. Exactly. And a lot of that. I love Kawhi Leonard. They've got, they've got a bunch of other guys I really like. This is a very solid team. Greg Popovich is the legend. I think they're the favorite in that division slightly over Houston. I think what's going to be interesting with Houston is, well, A, do, are they going to make they – could, they have the opportunity to possibly make another move and bring another big guy there. They could use, like, a stretch four. Like, a lot of people – I've heard a lot of rumor – well, not rumors, a lot of people think if they could make a move for, like, a Ryan Anderson, that, that team would be uh, – that would be perfect for them. And they've got to move Omar Seek. I mean – Really good player. I mean, he was a complete disaster at foul trouble and, and, or at the free throw line. And you can't play him and Howard uh, at the same time. I also wonder, that team was like the fastest team in the league last year. And it worked, to perfect, it worked really well. But how was, great, how was Dwight Howard going to fit into that? When he was young, Dwight Howard, when he was a complete monster in Houston, he would run and just be a complete fiend on the court, but you had the Dwight of last year where he wasn't like the impressive physical specimen as he was before, but that's a very good team. I think Dallas could be a playoff team. I'm not projecting them as of right now because they're another team that's going to be a complete disaster. They have the same same, um, goal as the uh, Nuggets. Good team with a lot of talent, but questionable. Well, they're going to be a good offensive team. I, I don't have any question about that. And I do think Dirk Nowitzki, he have a bounce back here. Last year in his contract, 35 years old. I had no idea he was that old. Yep, and you got Calderon, who's a rock-solid point guard. Monte Ellis. You brought up Monte Ellis, who is, if you look at his shot chart, there's, like, no good places for him to shoot. Like Blake Jalavet last year. So... We put up like twenty shots. I mean, I like Monte Ellis. I I think that for them, he's a, he's a solid player. It gives them some good scoring. I like Shea Larkin, and I regularly like Ricky Lito. I think it's just a sound pick. Questionable on guard though. Yeah, Vince Carter, who's old, no idea what he's doing this year. Like Larkin's currently hurt. Monte Ellis, have no idea what they're going to do. They do get Devin Harris back, who was one of the original Mavs, and they made their first uh, playoff run. And look, and look, I'm sorry, but look who they're relying on now at center. Sam Down there. Yes. Who they're relying on at the five. And the only, like, strong defensive player on that team is Sean Marion. And he's, like, 38. Exactly. We're not 38. He's 35. I couldn't, I don't have my glasses on. 
That's fine. All right, so we'll get to Flo's uh, playoff predictions next week. We'll keep you waiting for the red. Absolutely. So we had a nice uh, NBA preview show. We'll take a break. When we come back, college basketball and Grambling State college football, you're on Snag Radio. Fanatic Radio. It's as good as it gets. It's the reason you wake up on game day and put on your team's colors. Fanatic Radio on Block Talk Radio. Joined by the great, notorious Pee-wee Darius Gardner of the yeah. American University basketball team. He's part of our uh, FNAC Radio CB tip-off series for the first game, I believe, in three weeks. College basketball is alive and well. And just to kick that off, American University had a chalk talk with the great Mike Brennan. And media day was yesterday, and to the surprise of no one, American University was placed ninth in the preseason Patriot League poll. Yep. With teams, uh, with Bo- newcomer Boston leading the way, T.J. Irving, the uh, preseason player of the year. How about that? Is it normal to have AU play so low? Uh, yeah, we were talking about this uh, the other night in my time, actually. So... I I'm I'm surprised because I guess because got a, a rookie head coach 
and you got a program that uh, well, not that that we don't we only return a couple guys, but I'm I was surprised that we thought we're that low. And it's not a bias thing because I'm pre- I think I'm pretty fair, but I don't think they're like looking at his play. I, and I will be honest, I haven't seen everybody else in the conference. But I I looked at like at a, our practice and like the players we've got. I don't think we're a so we're not a ninth place team. I don't think we're that That's bad. So bad. We haven't been that bad in years. We haven't been, and before I was a freshman, apparently we were just awful. We weren't even like seventh place back when we used to have eight teams. Not a single player on the first team. Of course, they didn't do a second team because the college isn't that big enough. And even women, we have, I think we returned like every starter except one, and we replaced six. Yeah, and a lot of that has to do with uh, the new coach. But I just hope, with sweet vindication, that we win out. Yeah, and we make the Patriot League look like absolute fools. Patriot League for that. Lord. Interesting. Looking forward to the Patriot League. How was Chalk Talk, Toby? Enjoy yourself. I I actually really enjoyed it. I thought that he, uh, Mike Brennan. Uh, made it interesting. I mean, he, I will be honest, he's not the most telegenic person, but he's a lot more telegenic than Jeff Jones was. And he was, you know, he made it interesting, gave uh, substantive answers to a lot of the questions, but he seemed to show uh, some passion about the program. He seemed to be like, to show that he was excited for the team. Had a lot of good, uh, good words to say about the program. So I think that it's a team that uh, you know, I'm really excited for what he's gonna, what we're gonna do under him. I do wonder though, with Brad, he is a young coach. He's like what, 40? Yeah, like 42. Um, what's gonna happen then? If he has a good few years, he's gonna want to get. He, is this a stepping stone job for him, I, is, or is it a destination job for him? Mm-hmm. Like he had from Jeff Jones, and I don't know if it was a stepping stone job because he, at best, he didn't made a lateral move. But he was there for like 12 years. But he was here for 12 years, and this was also a redemption job for Jeff Jones after after the wheels fell off in Virginia. So, but, uh, you know, I don't want to look too far ahead because you know, that's also saying that projecting that we'd be, you know, really good to where you get other job offers. But I'm excited. I think this is a good team. I think it's a team that will probably peak be better next year, unfortunately for you. But I think this will be a solid team. I don't think they're going to be the second worst team in the uh, in the conference. Yeah, it's, it's definitely prime for next year because I'm assuming uh, Boston University is going to graduate a lot of their players. I like I said, I haven't seen their roster either. But uh, Boston, Holy Cross, Lafayette, they all have a lot of seniors that will graduate. No, no NBA prospects, but they'll leave because uh, Darius Peewee is a, will be a senior because he's a redshirt. He had to sit out. And then John Schoep will be a senior, and Jesse Reed will be a senior. Zach O'Connor will be the starting point guard. Why? Why will be a sophomore? <laughs> so looking forward to that. But joining us here on the uh, the hotline, good friend of mine, good friend of the show, is James Michelle, the Oklahoma Sooner basketball team, and joins us for our college basketball tip-off. Thank you once again for another year of joining us for uh, to preview the Sooner season. How's it going, Michael? Good. How are you, James? How's uh, how's Norman treating you? It's uh it's going well over here. Uh, headed to practice right now. We practice in about an hour. And the uh, team this year, you guys made the tournament last year. So ready to uh, get back to the NCAA this year? 
Yeah, but we lost we lost a lot of guys, a lot of uh, real important, uh, talented guys. But I think we have um, some young guys that have, uh, you know, we they were there last year and they uh, they saw what it was like and they want to get back. So uh, I'm I'm looking forward to this year. I think we can get back to it. An interesting way you guys prepared. You uh, went over to Europe this summer to uh, play some yep, exhibition we, games. Yeah, we uh, we we flew into Paris and played uh, three games in Belgium and two games in France. Uh, just some exhibition games to kind of get us ready, um, get some of the new guys some uh, game experience. And so I think that really helped us. We ended up finishing four and one, and the team we lost to was uh, was pretty good. And they were all professional teams, so um, it was it was a real good experience for us, and it was fun to go and and see a different different countries. How was it for you? It was a good uh, team bonding experience, knowing that you are now upperclassmen getting ready to uh, acclimate the freshmen and newcomers on your team. Yeah, it was definitely a, a good bo- team bonding experience. We, uh, you know, we got to know each other really well. We were there for ten days and we're with each other pretty much all day, every day. So, um, you know, I mean, they we became even closer on that trip, uh, and now when the, with the start of practice, we kind of feel like we've we've had a head start because we've already been practicing and playing. So. Um, we're a lot more comfortable with each other. All right, and uh, looking at your schedule ahead, interesting games, including uh, one at, in Dallas. That would be against Alabama. That could be at the American Airlines Center? Yep, that will be at the uh, AAC. And another one, you guys have to come up to the district to play George Mason December 8th. So are you excited for all these road trips? You have to go to the Coaches vs. Cancer Classic as well? Yeah, they'll, they'll be really fun. Uh and then we get to play a lot of uh, good teams that will add to our strength of schedule. Alabama, uh, I think we play A&M in Houston, and then obviously uh, Seton Hall and then Michigan State, hopefully in Brooklyn, and uh, a good George Mason team. So uh, it will be a, a fun few trips. I think they're uh, really going to test us before we start uh, the Big 12 schedule. Now looking at Big 12, obviously Kansas is always a good team. Oklahoma State returns uh, Marcus Smart. And so who are some of the teams that you guys should uh, have circled on your calendar as uh, big-time games or must-must-see games? Uh, I think I think both uh, both of our KU and both of our OSU games will be big-time games. Um, and then after those two, you know, I think uh, the third place through, you know, seventh or eighth place is pretty much up for grabs. So uh, every every pretty much every night is going to be a battle for us. But uh, um, there will be a lot of good games in the Big 12 this year that I'm looking forward to playing. How does the uh, the roster shape up? Obviously, um, Cameron Clark is a senior, and one of two seniors on your team. Are you nervous that yep. the uh, sort of lack of experience could come back to haunt you guys? Uh, I don't think so too much. Cam uh, Cam and Tyler Neal are two seniors, um, and they both have a lot of experience, and uh, Cam's really stepped into this leadership role. Um, and our, our a lot of our young guys um, were here last year and got some minutes, so... Uh, We'll definitely be young, and we lost some some veterans that really helped us out and helped us get to the tournament last year. But uh, I think uh, I think Europe Europe really helped us, and those games really helped us. So I'm not too worried about the young guys. I think we'll be all right. Any newcomers that could have a, a big season this year? Uh, one of our freshmen, uh, Jordan Woodard, um, from he's from Edmond, Oklahoma. He uh, I think he was the number two player in in the state last year, and he's a he's a really talented point guard. Um, he'll, he'll definitely come in and help us out immediately. Um, and then uh, we have a, a transfer who transferred from Gonzaga two years ago, Ryan Spangler, who sat out last year. He'll he's definitely going to step in and, and probably start for us and play a lot. Um, and he's they're both really good guys. And we got some other ones, uh, but I think 
I think uh, we've got a lot of the pieces we need to um, to succeed and get back to the tournament. And uh, Long Craven Island is, I think, it's his second year at OU? He's actually, this is his third, actually. Third, yeah, third season. So it was, it was his third year. Are you starting to see uh, his style being more, like, prominent in practices and everything? Yeah, this is the... Uh, this is really the first year where the majority of the team is his recruits. So, uh, and this year we're definitely playing at a different pace. We're playing really up tempo and a different style of basketball than we're used to. But it's a lot more fun. Um, just getting to run, transition, fast break stuff. So, uh, coach has definitely kind of changed up the game plan a little bit for the season, and uh, we're playing a little bit faster side ba- style of basketball. So, um, it should be fun. All right. So you, you mentioned that you played. Um summer in Belgium and, and um, in Europe. Is it true you also played yep. basketball in Haiti? Uh, Haiti? Haiti was a uh, kind of a mission trip that we took um, in May with, with about 40 student athletes from OU. And uh, we we uh, went down there. We did a lot of different, you know, manual labor work. Then we also did some, some spiritual work and, and going to church with the kids and, and teaching about uh, Christianity and Christ and kind of just reaffirming that kind of stuff. And we also uh, did some basketball stuff down there. Um, the one of our one of the women's coaches for at OU was one of the leaders of the trip, so we did a lot of basketball stuff. We brought some gear down to them, some new shoes and clothes and stuff. And uh, actually, we had a little inter squad game between us and uh, and Mission of Hope, which was the the organization we went down to help. So it was really cool. And the and they have a, a middle school slash high school, I guess it's elementary through high school, with about two three thousand kids and a bunch of them came down so we had hundreds of kids watching the game and it was really cool but uh it was kind of cool to make a difference down there how was it which trip uh was i guess both of them are equally fun but which one did you uh, have better stories from which one was more i guess enjoyable for you uh i mean belgium and, and europe and all that was fun but haiti going to haiti was probably uh i mean it was probably one of the most life-changing events i've had so far and it was a it was a great trip, and I just kind of learned a lot about myself and about my friends and just kind of about the world. You know, I made some – I can say I have some good friends in, in Haiti, and I'm looking forward to going back next year. Um, there's just a lot of fun times and good stories that we've had, and it had a pretty big impact on me. All right, and he's James Rochelle, Oklahoma. Tips off the regular season uh, Friday, November 8th against Alabama in Dallas, Texas. You have to put me on the list when you come up to uh, D.C. to play, when you guys play George Mason. I'll be your I'll number one fan. I'll, I'll definitely text you about a week before, and I'll let you know. All right, James Michelle, the Oklahoma Sooners basketball team. Looking forward to watching you and the Sooners get back to the NCAA tournament this year, and thank you once again for joining us on the show. I appreciate it. See you later. All right. Uh, long time guest. Dan Frischella, son of the great Fran Frischella, was in uh, Polo at the Cats' Corner as the uh, college season broke down. We love Polos. And uh, looking forward to college basketball, we'll go even in more detail next week and the week after. Because uh, big tip-off games will come up that week of the uh, the 8th. Good that they're going down to Dallas. Uh, Definitely uh, a lot of Friends of mine from high school hopefully should go up and see that. You you had no friends in high school. I had no friends. No new friends. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, for the AU fans, we actually take on Mason the eighth. Yeah, let's go. That is up in Fairfax. Let's go. We should go to that. We should. Because I go to that. We can because I will not be here next week. The last I will be at Texas Motor Speedway holding down the fort for the third uh, third to last race in the chase. Yes, that's next week. 
That is next week. They go to Martinsville. They go to the paper. That's right. Again. Oh, wow. And we are coming in hot. The NASCAR Spring Cup Series. And that means I'm going to be running the show next week. So that's going to be a mess. And it's going to be awesome. And so now into Martinsville, uh, most of the, uh, the big chase guys survived. No big ones. Only like a, a two-car crash on the last lap in Talladega. Were you upset by that? I, mean, I was expecting like 20-car pileup. You know, I, I mean, honestly, you know, everyone loves to see the big crash, but nobody will. But it's like everyone wants to see it, but nobody wants to see it because nobody wants to see anybody get hurt or bad days get ruined. So, But I was really expecting uh, a big one of some sort. Usually, you'll get um a lot of times you get them lying in a race, especially when the race gets wild. But for the most part, it was not very aggressive. Uh, you, I mean, it wasn't like guys weren't all over the place going three wide. That was the one thing about the tandem racing. The tandem racing was awful, and everybody hated it. But it gave us, like, a ridiculous amount of leaders and like, it also probably had more crashes because guys were all over the place. That's how bad Brad won his very first race. Exactly. That is right. That is right. I remember watching that. It was awful tandem racing. That was And now it's not developed into a single file on the outside of the line of the track. Yeah, which and that's kind of what it was in the early days for, for a lot of races in the um, – well, in the early days of the COT, like the races would, they'd be interesting early, and then it would fan out and be single fly. People would get too conservative. Exactly, especially in this race, because for so many guys it's a chase race. So really, the only aggressive guys are really going to be, or the very aggressive guys are either guys trying to make a run back in the title hunt, or guys looking for a win. As you saw, like which the guy who ended up winning, albeit under caution, Jamie Mack, who made like a push to the front. Uh, kind of almost out of nowhere with like like 30 to go. Yeah. Like even less than that when he took the lead. It was like 15 to go when he got into the lead. And so a lot of guys, and, but there's all, there is frustration. You can tell like we've got like Dale Earnhardt Jr. a bunch of guys. You saw it in the Daytona 500. Guys wanting to make moves, but nobody else wants to make it. Because if, you, if you're the one guy that goes and nobody else goes, then you're screwed. But I, my theory on that is you got to still try and go because or else, you know, Junior went too late. He went too late. He was waiting, probably going to wait for see what Austin Dillon was going to move. Austin Dillon began to make a move when Ricky Stenhouse moved. Then Stenhouse moved back in the line. Dillon moved back in the line. But then when he tried to move back in the line, the wind got under him and then he spun out. And that was only like a two-car crash. That was in front of the whole field. So it was a, it was a definitely an interesting race. Junior Mac gets to win. Not a huge uh, amount of uh, change in the uh, point standings. Jimmy Johnson's the leader now. It's still a uh, but Jimmy Johnson finished in the top ten. So it wasn't like there wasn't like it wasn't the just yeah the, the top two guys. It's not like one of them wrecked out and right. uh, or somebody else got right back into the mix. So it's it's been it's been basically a two man race the entire chase and it's probably going to remain that way. As it always is. It's like a third well, year. Not, not always. So, because this would be the week that things change. Big adjustment. Of course, this is Jimmy Johnson's bread and butter. One of his bread and butters. That's going, three, three going guys, to Martinsville. Three guys that are always good. And Jeff Gordon, Denny Hamlin. Mm. And then we have Brady Bush and Harvick, 
who uh, always makes some noise. Did this race have a big shakeup, or it left still be later? Well, I guess now it looks four races to go. It has to be this race. Uh, yeah, if there's really going to be a big shakeup, because Kyle Busch and Harvick are both very good short track drivers, but that's it, even if they win, Jimmy Johnson is the is like the king of Martinsville. Like Hendrick has owned that place for so many years. Still the like top five. Yeah, and he's Kansas. Not very good. He's not a great short track guy, but he's dependent excellent cars, and for them, you've got to step up your game, and that's kind of like what we saw with Brad Keselowski down the stretch last year. He ran really well a lot of tracks he hadn't normally run at because you have to step up your game. He did well at Martinsville, did well at Texas, track he never did well at. Exactly, and thus he kept himself in the mix to where when Jimmy Johnson made an error, he had all to gain from it. When Jimmy Johnson had that tough race at Phoenix, I think it's still going to be a two-man race the rest of the way. And I don't think there's anything necessarily wrong with that. I mean, these two guys have been probably the two top guys all year. So and I think that at least even with Kyle Busch, you had his, you know, like, it sucked when it was Jimmy Johnson and he had the lead all wrapped up, like when he went against, like, Mark Martin and then Jeff Gordon that one year with Jeff Gordon. But as said after Phoenix, like, all right, if I end up winning this, it's not because I won it, it's because Jimmy lost it. Exactly. So I really think I think it's gonna be a good two man race. I mean it's been a solid chase. It's been a good NASCAR year. So Yeah. Yeah. Potentially. So, but you hate the chase. I hate the chase. Get rid of the chase. What but I mean get rid of the chase. Or or adapt it where where guys in the bottom can get more get, get awarded for sort of points for more points. So it's just pointed inverted points. Standing inversion the whole year. It worked at IROC. <laughs> we love IROC. Yeah, IROC has been so fun for like five years. I know. IROC well, was good, though. Because they had an option to like, sell all their like, merchandise and everything, <laughs> and they didn't sell me. I actually wanted some of that, that crown of IROC here. It was very cool. Even like Tony Stewart's fire suit. That's fantastic. I'm excited. <laughs> These next two races should be fun. That's our NASCAR talk. When, uh, and the show on two uh, interesting topics through the week. First one being a little lighthearted in the next, but uh, oh, God. the Rams called our good friend Brett Favre. Mm. After Sam Bradford was out for the season with an ACL, an ACL injury. And lo and behold, what do the Rams decide to do? Call a 44-year-old quarterback who's been out of the league and is actually three years away from becoming a, a first ballot <laughs> Hall of Famer. Yeah. To uh, which Brett Favre told our good friend uh, John Sorenso and Andy Pollan to go up five seventy. It's flattering, but there's no way in hell I'm going to do that. Close quote. Well, the Rams are stupid for going after Favre. They're well, relying on the quarterback they invested in. Well, the problem is the quarterback they invested in is out for the year in Sam Bradford. Yeah. So okay. that's why. I mean, the back your backup quarterback's Kellen Clement. Like Kellen Clement, Oregon wasn't awful. Was a good Oregon player. I'll give you that. The old organ, not the, uh, the yeah for the Mike Bellotti organ. I remember, I remember that very well. The team upset Michigan made the cover of SI. Yep, and then they, were, and then they like lost, like taking the rest of the year. I remember that game. I remember that cover too. Good stuff. But I mean, I can't blame them. I mean, they need they. I mean, Kel Clemens is a terrible player. So let's just be honest. The Rams were that good of a team anyway. Well, the Rams were, they were okay. They were in 500. They had a lot of tape on Austin. The water steward only do so much. Yeah, and he has a good great. Yeah, and so, I mean, I can't blame them for at least, I mean, I don't mind them at least giving them a call. 
Like, funny. It's very funny. And I appreciate Far for being like, you know what, I'm not, I'm not even, don't even bother. Like, just I'm knowing like, him. Well, no, especially knowing him, but also that 44, hasn't played in a few years. Like, and he seems to have, you know, he knows what he wants to do. He's been, you know, working on the farm in Hattiesburg, coaching high school football. I mean, that's fantastic. Quarterback coach at Oak Grove High School. Good old Mississippi. Can you imagine that, like, your your quarterback coach is Brett Farr? Like, if you are, he could have been, he could, for the best of that, he could have been like, you know what, I want to be the head coach here. And they'd probably be like, all right, we're going to think about that. <laughs> he's, like, he's like the quarterback. He could be the quarterback coach in the NFL. So, I mean, that's awesome. I love Brett Farr. He's your boy. He makes the, he probably still is my favorite NFL player of all time because, I mean, he's, with him, he's just he's the classic gunslinger. But and I appreciate him for being like, yeah, there's no way I'm going to do this, and there's no reason for him to do it. And for the Rams, you know, again, they've got no really nobody better to turn to. So you might as well make the call and see what he says. Don't you though? I mean, I don't get why nobody's picked up Tebow. I I, I don't see why they don't pick him up because I mean, you might as well or at least give him an option. It would give the at least a little interest in St. Louis where they're like, you know, nobody's really huge into them. Right. So, but like, I mean, when you're in a position like this, you had a solid team and now your quarterback's done for the year, your backup quarterback's Calvin Clemens, which is just going to be a mess. So, um, but hey, you know what? I, 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 I don't have a problem with them asking. At least, at least you ask. All right, final NFL talk of the day. How many more games will the Chiefs go undefeated? Uh, I'm going to have to look at their schedule. The thing with the Chiefs is that they haven't very good, great defense. Alex Smith's been solid. Jamal Charles has been great. Jamal Charles has been great. But this team, I don't think they're as good as their record says they are. They just barely beat the Texans who are starting Case Keenum. And they, you know, they... You look at their games; they haven't played anybody. They so they were the good teams that people thought were exactly just being awful. Like the Giants, they, the Cowboys. Like they barely beat Dallas. Dallas is, a, is probably the best team they've played because Houston's got no major quarterback issues. Tennessee's a good team. The Giants are awful. Tennessee has been on the ropes too. Exactly. So if you look at the Chiefs, specifically, they've played the second worst schedule in the NFL to this point. So. You look at any of them all the time. No, to this point, like in the season. Uh, so who's had the worst? Uh, I don't know who's had the worst, but like I guess you, Denver is in the same division. You'll, you'll look at Cleveland. Uh, Cleveland, they've got a lot of quarterbacks. They're starting Jason Campbell this week, so yeah. that's, that's another matchup for their excellent defense. War Eagle, and then going to Buffalo. I think they always Chiefs always do bad when they go to Buffalo. They, you know, and that. Kind of a trap game because then you're going to Denver the following oh, week. Although well, that is going into the bye week, but if we don't know who's going to be quarterback for Buffalo, we're not certain when DJ Manuel's coming back. So, but that Buffalo game that could be interesting. But it, they're not going to go into Denver. Denver, I'm I'm sorry. But that's just also violating with the wrong looking great. You know they did lose to it. They did lose in a game I predicted they would lose. I picked Indianapolis. I was right. I would say after the bye week, they'll lose to Denver. That'd be a very interesting game, though, because that would be a fun game. The Chiefs are as good as they seem, or is Denver just yeah? 
out of their out of this world. Just, yeah. Yeah. It's not a third in the league though. Of, uh, on a pass, yeah, yeah, that is dangerous. They played Gabbert. They played. Uh, yeah, man, it's been a mess. And Ryan Fitzpatrick. I'll throw up was all right. Chief Keenum. But that's still. I. I mean, I'm not trying to take away from them because their defense is great. They got a lot of really good. Derek Johnson. They got great pass rushers. Tom Ali, Justin Houston. Houston, yeah. Texas. Doing well so far. Now, final story, big story. We'll definitely have more as the uh, things uh, develop. Further, what happens in the future is Grambling State. Big, big stories coming out of uh, Louisiana. Yeah. Of Twitter photos uh, being discovered of uh, pretty, pretty bad-looking facilities. Actually, the, the guy who took that, uh, David Langster, of the uh, the Gremlin, the student newspaper. We're, we're we're friends of our student publications here at AU. Absolutely. So we uh, feel his pain. We was asked to leave, but he joined Roland Martin. News one now to uh, discuss that in further detail. The specific wording of the tweet, I cannot remember. Basically, uh, I was I was with some football players who at the time did not want to, they, they didn't want to be identified. Um, throughout this whole process, the whole thing was they wanted to, I guess, still remain united, but get the true word out. And with the football players not saying anything, the alumni from, I guess, all across the nation were in tune to William, William Sutton's statement, who is the, who is the PR director. Right. And the only problem with that is the statements that the PR director and the president were making were not the, the sentiments of the students, and it wasn't really what was going on. It was more or less a watered-down truth that we think, um, we personally, I think, was to, uh, was employed, deployed by the president to try to get rid of as much media attention as possible, try to put a band-aid on this situation before enough media gets to it. And so that was uh, News One Now with Ronald Martin. Uh, student David uh, Langster was f- uh, fired or asked to leave. Although technically, technically still, if you listen to more of that interview, he's technically still on the uh, the staff. But this was all because he uh, took pictures of the uh, facilities, the training room of Grambling State, who of course made made in the news after they after they fired Doug Williams. Yeah, and then after and then last week, where they had to cancel a game because the players refused to travel. Right. So, so they refused to travel to Jackson State. And apparently, we were looking at these photos, and it looks just awful. Yeah, it's it's a real mess, and it's a culmination of a lot of problems. Uh, like the state funding over the last several years has cut like from like thirty one million to like thirteen, a little more than thirteen. The, um, the, the they're struggling to uh, pay for money or pay for. Uh, like athletics, so they tried to raise tuition. It's, uh, students didn't want that. They don't get a lot of money from their alumni. There's not there's not a huge alumni base. It's not a big school, and it's kind of like an agricultural, um, you know, uh, traditionally uh, anti African American, not anti American, African American school, um, where like they're um, their alumni base is, you know, is not huge. It's yeah, only about 4,000. Yeah, 5,000 enrollment. 
It's in a small town in uh, northern Louisiana. Outside Monroe. Near uh, Monroe. Near, yeah, near Monroe, near where uh, Louisiana Monroe is. So it's um, it's a serious problem for a proud and one of the more famous uh, because of uh, that man, the, the immortal Eddie Robinson, the all-time immortal, was, I don't think, I'm not sure if he is, but he, people consider he coached there for like 50 years. So, but, yeah, it's sad what's going on, and there's definitely, there's like another thing, like, they were taking bus rides to like Indianapolis for games. Like, that's, that's ridiculous. But if you don't have any money, you're, you're kind of forced to, um, you're uh, pressed into some hardships. So tough times, tough, major, real tough times in uh, at Grambling. So where do they go from here? Apparently uh, it was announced uh, today that Jackson State says it's going to sue Grambling for uh, that causing the no contest or just when uh, the Grambling State team just say, no, we're not going to play. Uh. So a legal action is going to go into this. So what happens after that? That's going to cost more money as I learned in my com law class. Absolutely. Because, like, I mean, if you're Jackson State, you've got a contract, you're playing that team, they're coming. They're in their, they're in their conference, too, right? They're in their conference. Because, yeah, like, and they sold yeah. tickets. Exactly. People bought tickets for nothing now. So now that's, um, and apparently they assured them, as from according to USA Today, that they would be, um, you know, that they would be coming and, you know, and they ended up not doing it. So this is, and apparently this was their homecoming game. So this is a real, a real serious problem that's not going to be going away anytime soon. This is very serious issues that are going to be very tough for uh, for them to uh, to figure out. Yeah, I'm saying, uh, you said, Derek, well, according to the University of Grambling's overall state funding has been cut by 57%, yeah. about $13 million. Well, the athletic budget um, was cut by $300,000. So, and it's funny how people at this school complain about the facilities that we had or not. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's not that bad. I mean, you know. Exactly. So it would be interesting if we got someone um, close to the matter to talk with us. Yeah, that great. Be good to see also with the SWAC, our intern is working on that. To see what the cause of the conference. Why do we we have no why do we have an intern? So how many what's seriously going on? Yeah, I wonder when we get to that. And so we we can end the show. Uh, they tied we, we even say we we're gonna end the show for like twenty minutes. And Lewis tied it up. Fifteen. So uh Boston eventually loses after it was awful errors. It's not very good throwing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. A, a, a pitching core that's, that's about as old as me is carrying the Cardinals yep. to uh, going back to St. Louis. Ooh. Could they take two games and go up, what, 3-1 in the series? Um, I'm not certain about that because these two, these games, I mean, game one was a washout. Like, that was a blowout by Boston. But St. Louis came back and uh, got great pitching. And they were able to hold on. This, these are two. Um, they're pr- they're two even teams. Like I don't think one team is significantly stronger than the other. I think now the series is probably going to be on pace to go to full set. Because uh, I don't think St. Louis is going to be able to pull off three wins in a row, and I don't think Boston's going to be able to pull off three wins in a row, especially on the road for them. So, I, but I think this has been a, a 
Last night's game was awesome. I think game three Saturday nights could be great. And I'm excited. And, of course, that'll do it. Thanks for seeing it. Exactly. That'll do it for uh, this episode of FNAC Radio Flow. We'll be running the show next week. Oh, yeah! And, and so, if, uh, listen to the podcast on iTunes. <laughs> Check out Dan's show in our NBA preview. But from this right, it's going to be about 60 Amory, which is out this week. Yeah! I'm Michael Gardner saying so long. We'll see you next time. Thank you.